Welcome to the Just Go Grind podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the Director of Marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital. On today's episode, we have Andrew Gasdecki, CEO of MicroAcquire, a company that helps startups get acquired. Simple as that. Get free and instant access to trusted embedded buyers with total anonymity. Say goodbye to brokers and meet your ideal buyer today. They have more than 100,000 registered buyers, more than 2,000 companies listed for sale, and they facilitated more than 500 deals, the combined value of more than 200 million. He's also the former CEO of Business Apps and Altcoin, both of which were acquired. He has a ton of experience in the startup world. Let's dive in. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited. I am excited to talk about a wide variety of things on this episode. You started a few companies, obviously MicroAcquire, the most recent one. Right away, I'm thinking, what makes you decide to start a company? So for instance, for MicroAcquire, why start this company in the first place, Andrew? Yeah, good question. I think, you know, starting a company is one of those things that, at least in my opinion, you do for, you know, kind of the love of the game. Um just a little background on myself. I grew up um, and fell in love with business like really early, like 13, uh, did all the cliche stuff like, you know, eBay store. I had a World of Warcraft, like affiliate website. <laughs> it's really embarrassing to admit, <laughs> um, I <love> but that. <laughs> that, we'll, we'll get this. Um, uh, so I used to have a website where you could buy like gold and so you could buy some dumb sword or something like that. <laughs> And it was super hands-off, and I learned, like, Google AdWords. I learned, uh, like, web design. Um, so I've always just loved building stuff. Um, you know, it's it's definitely not easy. Um, you know, even, you know, this is my, I guess, third, quote-unquote, like, official startup with, you know, a team. Um, but, I mean, it, it's, it's always, you know, a ton of fun. So I, I would say... <laughs> Um, that's my answer to just broadly, um, yeah. starting a company. But if we want to go more specific on microquire, um, you know, I, I've, I have the idea for a while. And then after going through two acquisitions myself and just seeing, you know, just how difficult it was from start to finish, from buying the buyer to understanding, you know, what is due diligence, um, who are good, um, M and A attorneys to hire, you know, how do I, how do I make sure I maximize this, this exit opportunity, which for a lot of founders is a life changing opportunity. And then, uh, went through that. And then after I exited my second business, I was actually looking to buy a SaaS business. So I looked all around the market and, um, found a few other marketplaces. Um, and then I came across business brokers, which I thought was fascinating. I, I didn't, no, they existed. Um, I thought it was just investment. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, a business broker for those that, for, for people that don't know, they essentially focus on businesses uh, under let's call it like twenty million in enterprise value, and they charge ten to fucking fifteen percent commission. So <laughs> I, I was like, what? Um, That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, like my first business, I worked with investment bank. Um, their fees were huge, but um, you know, investment banks will take on businesses doing you know, let's say the sale price is, you know, 50 million and above at like a, you know, two, 3% commission, uh, which is, which is fair because the deals are way more complex. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say fair, uh, cause also the minimum fee on 
the investment bank, I, I won't name the name, but the minimum fee if the acquisition closed was $800,000. So $800,000 to get a deal done. Start that business, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're moving towards it. So, you know, yeah. um, when I looked at the market, I felt, you know, it was full of number one scams, just a ton of just scammy stuff that I could spot just in two clicks. Um, yeah. Uh, three or number two is just, you know, lack of optionality for founders looking to sell their businesses. So, you know, your bootstrap founder you grew to 5 million bucks. Your only option is, um, you know, marketplace where, you know, you're going to be dealing with, you know, potential, you know, scam situations or working with a business broker where you're going to be paying an arm and a leg. And I looked at that and I had a thesis of, you know, startups have been democratized. People all over the world are building startups at a rate that we've never seen ever. Yeah. And I thought to myself, like, where are these startups going to go for an exit? And there's so much education and resources and platforms and tools and everything for marketing, fundraising, <laughs> uh, I don't know, uh, like everything but hiring. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everything but the most important part of the founder's journey, which is the exit. And so um, Angelus is our, had already taken um, investing. Product Hunt had uh, you know, really nailed down discovery. Um, and I wanted to work with entrepreneurs and startup founders. So it was that mix between just seeing a large market, low NPS, um, people getting scammed, um, legitimately scammed or scammed by just outrageous fees. And so I thought you know, why don't we flip this market on its head and, you know, try and rewrite the rules. So that's really what I'm trying to do with microquires, you know, build the, the, the startup acquisition marketplace that startup founders um, deserve. The one that I wish I had when I was selling um, specifically my first business. To that point, Andrew, so when you started microquire, obviously you had a couple of exits, as you mentioned, you had some optionality and what you could do. You decided to work on this. This was an idea you had from before. Just take me through what you envisioned for it in the beginning in terms of what the launch would look like around what the product would be based on what you had seen and everything, what kind of market needed in terms of the product itself? Uh, privacy and security. I mean, you know, when you go to sell a business and this is just from personal experience, when I announced that we were to my whole team and we were um, about a hundred employees and that was um, a good amount of were contractors, um, but in-house about 50. And yep. when I announced that, you know, you get questions ranging from, am I becoming a millionaire or a billionaire or getting <laughs> fired and everything else in between. So, and then if your customers find out that you're looking to sell your business or your startup, you know, that's going to raise a lot of questions. So privacy was a huge concern. Um, and then also just vetting buyers and sellers, having a curated marketplace where it's not just, you know, Craigslist for digital assets, you know, it's, a vetted marketplace where you can buy a startup with real product market fit. It's, you know, it has real revenue has real customers. Um, the buyers have, um, you know, IDs have been verified. They have their LinkedIn account attached. You can do due diligence on the buyers because as a, a founder, when I sold um, business apps, spelled B I Z, and I always have to spell it out because uh, <laughs> a little, little tangent. Uh, the The way I got to that name on the first business was um, the original go to market strategy was to be cold calling, 
So I thought yeah. like, oh, it'd be much easier to be like, oh, we're business apps. Mm -hmm. And obviously <laughs> I couldn't afford the correct spelling domain. And, and then everyone started calling it biz apps, which I eventually had to buy that domain, which is another story for another time. It worked. It worked out, thankfully, for you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was my point. Um, You're going the business. What do you need in terms of the product itself? You said security is a big part of it, obviously, uh, with the initial product. Security. Yeah. The point I was trying to make was um, I do diligence the hell out of the buyer of yeah. my startup because the last thing you ever want to do is tell your team and your customers that you know you're going to be acquired and then the deal falls through, you know, at the last minute or something like that, that can be devastating because then your whole team is like, are you going to, what's coming next? Like what? <laughs> yep. Um, so I, I thought that was um, paramount and um, yeah, just having like a higher quality uh, marketplace. That's not just, you know, solving simple issues of finding a buyer, but also making things easier, like, um, you know, building a letter of intent. Like MicroQuire has a really slick letter of intent builder. You can build a letter of intent with, you know, 10 clicks, one minute. Um, we're working on tooling for, uh, you know, better analysis of a SaaS company's health. So, you know, a lot of SaaS companies don't have like a really clean P&L that accurately portrays their true revenue and their true profit. And so we're building in tools that, helps buyers assess the health of the business. And then also just things like, how do you transfer the assets? How do you, if you need help, um, you know, we have a directory within MicroQuare where you can hire, you know, attorneys or investment bankers or even, you know, business brokers if you so choose. But um, within our market, within the um, directory, within the marketplace, um, we're able to work with business brokers and investment bankers that don't charge, you know, nearly as huge fees because uh fun back most business brokers spend i believe half their budget on sales and marketing um so just really just kind of piecing everything you need to have a successful acquisition and then innovating on the process um and just bringing everybody into one place everyone from the biggest private equity groups to individual buyers just looking to acquire um you know a, a smaller startup to that point, with the product, that is, you know, what you had envisioned for this, you had the experience of knowing what to build because you had basically had inside information like, okay, this is what I went through, this is what people are going to need. Take me through the go-to-market when you actually launch MicroAcquire. We don't always hear about the early days of a company. We hear how successful they are now. I want to know about the early days. How'd you launch it? Yeah, I launched on Product Hunt January 2020, and we got uh, Product of the Day, but I mean, that's just like a little spike, then it goes away. Yeah. Um, and then... But before that, it's a marketplace. So you don't want to yep. launch a marketplace with nothing in it because then it's just, <laughs> you know, it's like walking into a, a party. Value no to that. Yeah, walking into a party and no one's there. You're going to leave pretty quick. Uh, so I ran a big, cold outbound email campaign towards uh, VC funds, seed funds, accelerators, uh, just other, you know, startups in the marketplace. Um, and that helped seed the marketplace. Yep. And that's still where we get a lot of deal flow is just partnerships with, um, you know, individuals or groups that have large access to startup founders. So a lot of our deal flow comes from, you know, referrals or word of mouth. But that was kind of the seed is just, um, you know, I got on the phone with a lot of people. I 
you know, explain the idea. I manually onboarded them. I <laughs> made their listing for them. I wrote the newsletter. I did all the customer support, um, you know, almost to the point where it felt like, uh, I mean, I, I was probably working 15 hours a day, every day. I'd wake up at four, I'd probably go to bed at like midnight, just wake up, do it again. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to, I don't recommend that to anybody, but it wasn't work. It was, it was fun because I got to see the cool startups. I got to talk to cool people like, oh, another big thing was, um, I went on a lot of podcasts. Um, anyone who Be was before you launched to, or right when you launched? Uh, after I launched. After yeah, I right after you launched. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it wasn't, it didn't really feel like work. So, you know, instead of watching like Netflix or playing Madden or something like that, I, I just was working on my startup. So to that point, obviously you get the, you get the bump from product hunt. I've talked to a number of founders who've gone that route. It's like, Oh, great product hunt success. Like number one, you're like, this is amazing. But obviously you have to grow a different strategy to actually can you know, grow continually. What's kind of fueled the growth of micro acquire from there. We're kind of all over the place. We, I mean, we invest in SEO, SEM. I'm very active on uh, social media. Uh, we still do a lot of different partnerships. We also do um, product marketing. Like we developed a data-driven valuation uh, tool that basically is like a thing that like a like a chart mogul barometrics tool, but also yeah. gives you a valuation of your startup. Um, and then just you know, having fun, being funny. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen like the Russ Hammond videos. That oh, sort of I've stuff. seen them. I've seen yeah, them. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big advocate in, um, you know, with, with software being so easy to copy these yeah. days, really the last thing you have left is your brand. So I, I put a lot of thought into brand and, you know, how do we want to position ourselves and the story that we want to tell? Um, and you know, things like boring content marketing, uh, webinars. So we have like a wide array of, yeah, you know, uh, marketing campaigns that we run and marketing is kind of where I like to play the most. Um, so I hope that answers your question. There's yeah, no, no like <laughs> one specific, but it all adds up, you know, everything that you do. Um, but my, my best advice there for founders listening to this, like, oh, wow, that's like, you know, obviously, you know, I have people helping me with my marketing, but when you find a good channel, um, you know, just focus on maximizing that before moving into another channel. Yeah. And I think it's important people understand, obviously having sold another company, you could leverage that to get on podcasts, to have that distribution channel. And obviously you have some insights there too, which uh, is helpful. It's also a thing where people like leverage what you have, your strengths already, or what you have kind of an unfair advantage in when you're kind of building your company as well. And from that, you had said, I think on different podcasts around growth, growth, sales, marketing early on, you said, get on every podcast you can and tell your story, submit your startup to directories and build in public. You've done a lot of all of those things, building public and everything with that as well. From those different things today in the business, you say you launched in January, 2020, this is 2022. Now, how do you look at marketing today for micro acquire and what you, what you focus on you, you personally and uh, more broadly for the company? Just keep, you know, I always say the best marketing strategy is just being consistent, you know, marketing compounds. I think of marketing in a weird way and my analogies are terrible, but I'll give you one. Um, uh, <laughs> We'll go for it uh, basically, <laughs> you know, every tweet that you write, every LinkedIn post, every blog post, every guest post, every podcast that you go on, every piece of marketing that you do, you're building a road towards your business. 
you know, maybe someone on this podcast, maybe it converts like crazy and we see a big uptick. Maybe no one listens to it. Maybe one person listens to it. But even, you know, if it's just one person, you know, that all compounds. And so I always think of like, how can we build as many roads to um, microquire as possible along the buyer's journey? So also understanding, you know, you have awareness, evaluation, decision, and we have, you know, different um, marketing, you know, messages or you know, things that will do to drive people into those decisions or move people down the funnel towards a, a decision. From that too, looking at microacquire, you have some of the, I would say, most notable angel investors as well. Take me through that process of, of fundraising and deciding who you wanted on board for microacquire. You've gotten, like I said, so many notable people. How are you thinking about that fundraising for microacquire in the first place? Um, you know, I candidly, I, I wasn't, um, so I bootstrapped the company to about, um, 700,000 in recurring revenue or something like that. Um, yeah. and it was just me running the business. Um, and after you, you, you have kind of a win, um, on your belt, you know, I think at least for me, my, my personal ambitions changed and I, I wanted this again, just thinking about how hard I worked, like I really wanted to attack this problem aggressively to help founders all across the globe. Yeah. Um, I think that's why people start startups is they want to eventually sell it for, you know, maybe not billions of dollars, but an amount to make them financially secure. And I felt, you know, entrepreneurs and startups, um, you know, that's, that's my jam. So it was such a big opportunity for me to help them that um, you know, it made sense to raise capital so we can really, you know, aggressively attack, um, attack sounds kind of a, like a, <laughs> we're going to attack, we're going to attack this thing. Um, uh, just basically accelerate everything we wanted to build. And, you know, we still have so much left to build, but, um, yeah. So the first fundraising was with, um, Naval, Jeremy Levine and Andres Klinger. Um, that one came together, um, pretty quickly all exceptional people um shout out to jeremy levine he um he's a partner at bestimer just one of the most humble i mean shout out to all everybody on my cap <laughs> there's table, a lot there's but, a lot to name there's a lot to name yeah yeah I, but jeremy uh he he's just he's like a like a like a startup uh what's the word um I don't know when you're really smart, um, like genius, <laughs> savant. Yeah. He just, he's seen so much and he's helped me in, in some really critical situations. So I'm, I'm really grateful for him and obviously everybody, but, um, he was the first to really kind of see what I was building because when I was building it, and this is another thing I'd say to startup founders is you got to believe in yourself. Like, when you know you're building because a lot of people won't believe it until it starts to like oh yeah that that's working now that's super obvious yeah but but when i launched my record not a single person thought it would work like <laughs> i literally zero and it's like really it, yeah and to make it even like more intense um i believed in it so much i launched it uh like i said january 2020 like right when the uh, right before the pandemic started um, and, you know, just kept pushing through because I believed in it so much. Um, and then Jeremy saw that vision first. And then, um, yeah, so huge shout out to Jeremy and everyone else in my cap table. 
So from that, you mentioned as well expansion and kind of wanting to reach entrepreneurs all over the place. How do you look at expansion into other markets around the world, other companies all around? Because companies everywhere need to get acquired. So how do you look at that expansion for microacquire too? Yeah, so we we've been working on some partnerships. We're actually going to announce one uh, this week. Um, nice. So by the time you probably publish this, um, yeah, it'll be out. But it's um, with uh, a accelerator in Turkey. And we're working on just more relationships with, you know, uh, funds or firms or groups or uh, really any anyone that has, you know, a lar large pocket of startup founders that may not be looking to build like billion dollar companies, but are looking to build, you know, small but life changing um, companies. Because um, those are generally the best fit for microfires. They got, you know, sub 10 million profitable SaaS company. So, um, and then I have, um, I should note we're already in like a hundred different countries. Um, so it's, it's really fascinating how fast you can go global these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, that's a big initiative for us is global expansion because acquisitions are global. And so micro acquire, you know, should be too. Yeah. I mean, there are so many organizations out there. How do you look at when you're looking at different organizations, which ones do you partner with? How do you? decide which ones and how that looks in terms of a partnership because there are so many ways you could go about it and now i know you've announced a ton of partnerships the last number of months how do you just approach that or view that more broadly yeah um usually it just it's it's got to be mutual like you know I, there's obviously some companies i'd love to partner with any any names any names um i think i partner with them all <laughs> but um <laughs> Dream partnerships for micro acquire. We can maybe make some magic happen. I've got some interesting listeners. You never know. You know, I think like Y Combinator um, would be like an official partnership would be mm -hmm. interesting um, because they fund so many startups, but a lot of those startups don't reach a billion dollar valuation and might need a soft yeah. landing. I think that could be a good partnership. Um, that's just one off the top of my head. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but um, in terms of like how I think about partnerships is really just, you know, excitement on both sides. Like I'm excited about what you're doing. You're excited about what I'm doing. Um, and that usually kind of kicks it off. So it's not really a, my strategy has never been like, Hey, I'm going to target this company. I'm going to hound them until they partner with me. It's more organic. Like, Hey, I love what you're doing. Like you want to yeah. hop on a call and then it just kind of organically you know, happens. And those are typically the best partnerships too, because there's, you know, a little bit of a relationship built in, you kind of have a plan of what is this going to look like post launch? Like, are we just going to do like swap blog posts? Or are we going to do something a little bit more um, substantial where we, you know, continue like co-marketing or do we integrate, you know, part of a product into ours and vice versa? And we always want to do the ones where, you know, it's a little bit more integrated and, you know, tighter than just like, a, hey, we partner and we never talk about it again. Yeah. Like longer term thinking on that. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. And I'm curious that I, I saw obviously a while ago with, with bootstrappers and that publication. Tell me how that came about. And then I'm curious as the impact that has on microacquire. Yeah. So that one was, I remember um, that one kind of came off like off the cuff. Uh, I remember there was a tweet one day. Someone was like, why do uh, venture-funded companies get all the attention and bootstrap companies don't? All I read about on TechCrunch is, you know, funded companies. And I was like, uh, 
TechCrunch, what's up with this? And then uh, some of the writers were like, we write about bootstrap companies too. And then uh, basically kind of had like a food fight with them. Um, oh, we know the beef. I think, I think people who follow you know the beef. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. I mean, I asked them, I was just like, hey, like, that's awesome. What percentage of companies have you written about that are bootstrap compared to venture funded? Um, and that, that got a nice, <laughs> nice round of crickets. Um, and then, you know, threw some funny tweets in there and, you know, um, but that really built momentum around like bootstrappers. So that's another thing I love doing in marketing is, you know, thinking of, you know, uh, branding an enemy or beef marketing, but, uh, I definitely don't recommend it for the faint of heart or for, you know, you gotta, it's gotta be something you believe in. And I was looking, I used to love reading TechCrunch. And then it just turned into venture crunch. And I was like, this, I, I never read it anymore. It used to, yeah. like a decade ago, it would be the place you'd go to, you know, Borderline inspired me to be an entrepreneur because you'd read about these startups that were just getting off the ground. And like, you really felt like you had to know the founder. And now just like press release, rewritten, quote from investor, quote from founder, we're going to take over the world. Plus, yeah. we're just getting started. It's all, it, you know, I, there's, I don't care. Um, so <laughs> I just saw this huge gap in media where it was like, people really want to hear about these startups that are taking a different, more sustainable and arguably uh, more realistic path to success. And we wanted to celebrate and bring those stories to light. So, uh, you know, put together a, a team um, and Bootstrappers operates within Microcore, but separately. So I hired four writers um, and launched it within like 30 days. Um, that was that was pretty quick and yeah. uh, it's, it's still going strong today. And then in terms of the impact on Microcore, yeah. you know, it, it was really just kind of a labor, like of love, it, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, I just felt like, you know, someone's got to show these businesses some love. Um, so, you know, I always think, you know, good marketing is marketing that doesn't feel like marketing. And obviously it's powered by Microquire, like our logo is slapped on there and stuff. But what we're just trying to do is provide goodwill to, you know, our target customer. And that's always a good marketing strategy, just adding goodwill. And then over time, that just compounds and pays off. To that point, with with that, so with Bootstrappers and other companies more broadly, how do you think that founders should think about the media arm, media side of business? Who is that for? I know you mentioned with software companies, there's not necessarily a ton of differentiators, so the brand helps a lot. How do you think other founders should think about this kind of media arm or building the media as part of uh, their companies as well? I mean, it, again, when you think about just like what is your moat, I mean, I mean, brand is is everything, and I think a media arm is one of the strongest ways to like really reinforce that. Like to give you an example, like Stripe owns indie hackers, um, yeah. HubSpot bought, uh, the, the hustle. hustle. Um, yeah. there's been a number of media companies purchased by other, you know, larger startups. And I think it makes complete sense. So, but the one thing is, you know, if you do it, you got to really commit to it and not just like do it for a month and then, you know, give up on it. Yeah. And we also lose a lot of that potential for, for SEO and long-term benefits if you if you stop too early because that takes a lot of kick in as well. 
yeah. another part of, point of that. I know we're almost out of time here. I'm just curious on what's next for MicroAcquire. I would love to hear more about that. Uh, we're going to rebrand to MacroAcquire <laughs> due to popular demand. Yeah. Now, what, what's perfect. next? Um, we we got some pretty pretty big um, product drops um, all happening at the same time. So right now, uh, uh, candidly, internally, I'm having a conversation with my VP of product. I'm like, all right, we got this launching, this launching, this launching <laughs> all on the same day. Uh, how do we space? Should we space these out? Should we? Um, so. Uh, within the next um, month, we're gonna have some pretty interesting stuff. Um, but that's that's about all I can share. We'll, we'll be we'll be looking for it. No worries. Where's the best place for people to to learn more and connect with you as well, Andrew? Uh, Andrew at Microquire, or uh, just follow me at Twitter, agazdecky, um, or just go to microquire.com and start looking at uh, SaaS e-commerce startups for sale. Or um, and then if you're interested in potentially selling your business, you can do it with a zero commission. Perfect. Thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, you can find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Find me on Instagram, JustinGordon8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.